Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. an adversary that doesn't care about life, family, children, they reject God, they reject our flag, they reject our founding, they're only willing to protect themselves, but they don't care about procreation, they forsake the family, they don't care even about earning a living sometimes, they're okay with living on your tax dollars. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, El Conservador, your liberty-loving Latino amigo, also known to the Levinites as Mr. Call Screener. And that's Rich Valdez with an S on all the social media. If you want to check it out, we're live streaming on YouTube, something new that we're doing. But how do you defeat an opponent like this? They'll drop everything on a dime to go protest in another state. Heck, they're ready to move to another state just to win elections. People who actually hate themselves. They hate their own heritage. The founding of America. So you sit there and you think to yourself, they do all of this because they don't like liberty. They don't like the history of our country or aspects of it. They support the elimination of quote-unquote whiteness in order to divide and conquer. We the people is what they want to break. They're trying to separate us by race, by income, by sex, by religion, by anything that they can do to continue to propagate their narrative. This, my friends, Americans, this is, in my opinion, an American oligarchy. This is, uh, you've been hearing so much from Mark Levin's new book about American Marxism. And these are like Marxist-loving Robin Hoods. That's what they aspire to be. All in the name of power, in the name of prejudice, and in the name of poverty, because that's where we all end up. This poor judgment, in my opinion, is afflicting, it's infecting a portion of our people who call themselves progressives, of all things. It's like a wolf in sheep's clothing. Yet the progress, the progress that they make is towards something that Americans reject. Most Americans are not all out crazy, like AOC, our least favorite congresswoman from the Bronx and Queens, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, one of my favorite uh, uh, villains of this this day and age. Most Americans are not Bolsheviks like Bernie Sanders or El Bobo, Bill de Blasio in New York City. In fact, not even most Democrats are as radical or as left-wing as the rest of these guys. The majority of Democrats in America, and I'm talking about the voters, not the Democrats in Congress, they love America. It's true. I know you're thinking, no, they don't. They, they, those aren't, that's not the majority. But like the old saying goes, the squeaky wheel gets the oil. And that's because it's the noisiest. 
but it's not the majority, right? There's three other wheels that are rolling just fine, not squeaking. And that's what the Democrats have perfected. You see, what I want to say to them today, and I think you'll join me in this, is that America is not for sale. America is making a comeback. And albeit slow because we've got Joe El Baboso Biden in office, it's making a comeback nonetheless. I think most people would agree with me when I say, I am an anti-racist. Now, t- today, guys like Professor Ibram X. Kendi would have you believe that being an anti-racist is something that you either are or aren't, right? So if you subscribe to critical race theory, and I wasn't planning to get deep into critical race theory this moment. I want to really focus on the solution to it rather than the problem. But if you, if you look at that, most people don't consider themselves racist. And the idea of these folks that label themselves anti-racist is because they want to shed light on it. I don't think there's anything wrong with shedding light on something. Now, some people will reject that and say, but there isn't a massive problem with institutionalized racism. And that's arguable. That's fine. But my point is, when you begin to prostitute the truth so that you can push this agenda of hate, that's when we have a problem. And I think that's the place that we've arrived right now. So what do we do, right, as, as, as a people? I think, well, first of all, we have to grow a set. We have to stand up to the biggest adversary that we can find, our biggest critic, your biggest opposition, most of the time. That's you yourself, right? Aren't we all our biggest critic? People always tell me, you know, but Rich, I write my congressman. I'm too old to be an activist. I just can't switch my job. I have kids to care for. I say to you, ask yourself this, what will you do? Make excuses for losing or make excuses or opportunities so that we can win? And that's really the gist of what I want to focus on. I know that we oftentimes point out the problems, especially here in talk radio, a place that I love. Talk radio is fantastic because you have an opportunity to shine a light on something so that people can see it. You want to draw attention to the issue, granted. But once you've drawn attention, we have to now provide the solution. And I think that solution rests upon the shoulders of we, the people. I don't believe that we should be able to call our congressman. Now, I guess, yes, you can call your congressman, but I don't think that we should solely rely upon that. We have to take things into our own hands. And I don't mean busting down doors and breaking windows at the Capitol building. But what I do mean is like Americans that I've been seeing across the country, taking to town meetings, taking to school board meetings and giving people a piece of their mind. Saying, you know what? Yeah, basta. No mas. I'm not interested in this. I don't like this because of this, 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 and that too. People have to have that courage. They've used cancel culture and the bully pulpit that the media possesses to come at us in so many different ways. To ostracize people that think differently. I'm wearing this shirt and I saw a young man today. And he was part of the the printing crew that printed it. And uh, I use this vendor regularly. And, you know, he was saying that I did my Trump impression. I said something about, oh, it better not be made in China. 
no, I don't like China. And he laughed. And he was like, man, it's like that guy doesn't go away. And I said, I hope he never goes away. And, of course, I'm talking about former President Donaldus Magnus El Trompito, the 45th president of these United States, Donald J. Trump, El Presidente. And when I said that, he was like, well, why wouldn't you want him to go away? And I said, man, Trump is the only person that's been leading this charge. And I shouldn't say the only, but for a, quite a while he was definitely the clear leader and still is when he was in office. And now he's an external leader because the de facto head of the Republican Party, the Liberty Movement in so many ways, is El Presidente. And he thinks, you think people take him serious? And I thought, I take him very seriously. And I think many people should. He's the only guy that I can think of, and maybe I'm wrong on my history if I am, you check me and give me a call, 877-381-3811, and you let me know. But I think El Trompito is probably the last or the only guy that is a citizen businessman, ran for president, and won. Not an easy task, and it's, it's partially because he's a great strategist, but I think the other part of it is because people saw the value, and people are tired of what's going on in Washington. People are tired of being pummeled by the politicians, being beaten down by the bureaucrats. Nobody wants that anymore. When you've got governors in Texas that are saying, you know what, I'm going to build a wall because you're not doing your job. If you can be a sanctuary state, I can too. Good for him. When you've got people like Kemalaitis, the vice president of the United States, Kemalaitis, which in Spanish is or in English is how bad she is. When Kamala Harris goes to make these trips, and we're going to get into that a little bit later, and, and just fumbles so badly, it's so clear that we're screwed. I listen to people that are left-leaning, that are commentators, you know, folks on what we'll call the other side. And they're saying things like, man, I went to fill up my car. Man, this guy Biden, they said something about this Putin stuff, and we'll get into it. And I don't want to, you know, let all the cats out of the bag here. But they said something about, you know, Putin wouldn't be talking all slick like that to Trump because they know Trump meant business. And everybody knows it. We have the commander of weak in the White House. Kemalaitis is out there doing what she does worst leading and it's not working out all sorts of financial issues that are coming our way and the biggest thing the biggest problem that we face is the attack on the culture the change of the culture things that people that they accused of the red scare a long time ago saying oh you're just you know always you know looking every bush every bush behind every bush is there is a hidden commie People made fun of them then, they ostracized them then, they made sure that nobody took them seriously. It seems eerily familiar to what's happening now. But yet now we see the real fruits of those labors, or the fruit of that labor, excuse me. So with all these things that are happening, it makes me think, we have to choose. We have to look at those that have gone before us and have succeeded. We have to look at those that put their name, their career, and their reputation on the line, their life in so many ways, like Trump and like others who have served in the presidency. One that comes to mind, Reagan. So many admonitions, so many nuggets of wisdom that came from Ronaldus Magnus, the Gipper. 
And I think we need to turn to that and be the informed patriots that he called us to be in his farewell address. We have to look at other speeches that he's done so that we can say, you know what? This is something that we need to focus on. We need to be informed. We need to be patriotic. We have to take action. And I don't mean, again, nothing violent. There's been a, a onslaught of moms across America that simply showed up at school board meetings and demanded to be heard. And guess what? They were heard and they've gone viral and people are inspired. And that is all it takes is a little bit of courage. Not to get spiritual or preachy, but it says, you know, you need faith the size of a mustard seed. Anyway, before we get into all that stuff, I want you to hear this short clip from President Ronald Reagan. Check this out. Not too long ago, two friends of mine were talking to a Cuban refugee, a businessman who had escaped from Castro. And in the midst of his story, one of my friends turned to the other and said, we don't know how lucky we are. And the Cuban stopped and said, how lucky you are. I had some place to escape to. And in that sentence, he told us the entire story. If we lose freedom here, there's no place to escape to. This is the last stand on earth. And this idea that government is beholden to the people, that it has no other source of power except the sovereign people, is still the newest and the most unique idea in all the long history of man's relation to man. This is the issue of this election. Whether we believe in our capacity for self-government or whether we abandon the American Revolution and confess that a little intellectual elite in a far distant capital can plan our lives for us better than we can plan them ourselves. Better than we can plan them ourselves. That's what the government thinks. They think they can tell us what to do. They think they know it all. And the worst part is they're so arrogant to, to just think that they do. But again, I will quote Reagan and say, we need to tell the government, come on, get off my back. Get out of my pocket. We know what's best for us. It's the idea that we can govern our own lives, a.k.a. individualism, individual liberty. That's what makes America so strong. That even foreigners like the Tocqueville came here and said, wow, that's, that's amazing. I'm going to write a whole book on this. So you look at all that and you look at what's going on with Ilhan Omar. Some people did something and so many other people that we're going to get to. I'm going to do lots of impressions. I'm not making fun of anybody, by the way. I'm not mocking them. I'm doing impressions. But keep it locked right there. Again, I am Rich Valdez. I am the host of This Is America podcast. Make sure you check it out and subscribe. And I am sitting in for the great one. Love in. Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. And if we are going to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these things, and it teaches them still today. The great news is that we can all study these things along with Hillsdale College professors right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. My friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com.
What's up, America? Welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S. I'm the host of the This Is America podcast, filling in for the great one, Mark Levin. Of course, we're keeping him in our thoughts and our prayers. Um, Mark is out, and um, he mentioned he was having a small procedure, and uh, I do want to wish him the best and remind you to get the book, American Marxist. Um, American Marxism. Uh, I'm busy talking about American Marxists so often that I get tongue-tied. But Joe El Baboso Biden, he he says some of the silliest things. And I do want to give you the phone number also, 877-381-3811, because we're going to get to your calls in a minute. And I see them coming in from everywhere, from Dallas and from New York and Ashburn, Virginia. Thank you. Joe El Baboso Biden, that is our president, he, uh, he says one thing today, he says another thing tomorrow. I think it's really interesting that he just every week gives us more and more to criticize him about. Now, I was on Newsmax uh, last Thursday blasting Biden for his divisive and reckless comments calling white supremacy the most lethal threat to America. Now, that was last week. <laughs> now, fast forward to this week. He says climate change is the biggest threat to America. And you know why? Because some generals told him. But wait, it gets better because we've got generals that say, well, we have a different opinion of that as well. So we're going to hear all of that. But these are his words. And I believe Joe Biden, Joe El Baboso Biden, is very confused. He's frustrated or we say confusted because sometimes he even forgets that he's president. Listen to this. Please, that is... I keep forgetting I'm president. (laughs) Oh, boy. If you forget you're president, you're not doing your job right, sir. But I want to go back to him saying that the biggest threat facing America is white supremacy. As I said in my address to the joint session of Congress, according to the intelligence community, terrorism from white supremacy is the most lethal threat to the homeland today. Not ISIS, not Al-Qaeda, white supremacists. That's not me. That's the intelligence community. You know what? There's so much to unpack with that. And we, we talked about it this week. I talked about it on the podcast. But there's a whole bunch of juxtaposition that I want to do. Because I think this is so misguided. And he's got these fools in the back that are just... Oh, yes, yes, because man, I, I can't walk to the bodega around the corner without, you know, bumping into a bunch of Nazis. You know, it's funny, I, I'll, I will get into it in a little bit, but I printed this article a little while ago, and it had a bunch of these pictures of Klan rallies, and I'm thinking, okay, New York guy living in Jersey now, got it. I haven't seen a Klan rally. Have you? Anyway, you keep it locked right there. We're just getting started. 877-381-3811, Rich Valdez, in for the great one, Mark Levin. Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. And if we are going to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these things, and it teaches them still today. The great news is that we can all study these things, along with Hillsdale College professors, right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. 
We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. My friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, filling in for the great one, Mark Levin, 877-381-3811. Libs, welcome to call. Progressives, welcome to call. We were talking about Biden, and I hit the uh, bottom of the hour break, so I want you to hear this again. Now, we don't know, or at least we, we're trying to figure out, is it the KKK? Is it a really cold day or a hot day? Is it the rainforest? Is it the ozone layer? Is it the polar ice caps melting? Which of these is the biggest threat to America? Climate change, global warming, or what Biden would say, white supremacy? Well, anyway, we're going to replay that when Mr. Producer checked this out. One, um, As I uh, said in my address to the joint session of Congress, according to the intelligence community, terrorism from white supremacy is the most lethal threat to the homeland today. Not ISIS, not Al-Qaeda, white supremacists. That's not me. That's the intelligence community. All right, that's the intelligence community. But that was last week in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So he moves on. He gets on the plane. He does what he does. He shows up. He gives another speech. He says, oh, I forget if I'm president. Ha, 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 ha. Okay, so now we get to Mildenhall, England, And this is Wednesday, and now he says the greatest threat that we're facing is global warming, and this is not a joke. Listen to this. The military sat us down to let us know what the greatest threats facing America were, the greatest physical threats. This is not a joke. You know what the Joint Chiefs told us the greatest threat facing America was? Global warming. (laughs) <laughs> Not a joke. He's got me laughing because he starts with the KKK. White supremacy is the biggest threat we've got. And then he goes on to global warming. I think even his friends that are libs, his friends in the progressive movement are saying, Joe, sir, we stopped using the term global warming a long time ago. We go with climate change now so we can, if the weather changes at all, we blame it on that. Hello. But he didn't get the point. No. Instead, Joe El Baboso Biden says, you know what, that was the intelligence community. Then he says, no, that's according to the the second one. Hold on. Don't go anywhere. That's according to the military, the Joint Chiefs. Now he has this meeting with an actual general. And the general says in a hearing yesterday, we do have a number one threat. And here's what it is. Listen to this. I think China is the number one military threat as we go forward. But I also acknowledge that Russia is a considerable great power competitor. General Mark Milley. All right, so we remember General Milley. And he says, now whether we like General Milley or not, he's a general. (laughs) And he's a general that's not saying the biggest enemy of the United States or the biggest threat that we face comes from climate change or comes from white supremacy. I mean, it's just asinine to think that any of this stuff is actually coming out of the mouth of the leader of the free world, the president of the United States, Joe El Baboso Biden. But this is why we make fun of him, because he gives us so much material to work with. I want you to listen to this reel that Mr. Producer put together. Check this out. We hold these truths to be self-evident. 
All men and women created by go. You know the you know the thing. You know the rapidly rising uh, um, uh, in with uh, with uh, I don't know. Uh, and to get hot, I got a lot of I got hairy legs that turn that 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 that, that turn uh, um, blonde in the sun. And the kids used to come up and reach in the pool and rub my leg down so it was straight, and then watch the hair come back up again. They'd look at it. So I learned about roaches. I learned about kids jumping on my lap. I'll lead an effective strategy to mobilize true international under pressure. <laughs> now, I am going to try to recreate those because I don't always have uh, all these cuts available to me to play these audio clips for you. But I love that one. I, it literally puts such a smile on my face to hear uh, our commander in chief just fall apart to just vomit word salad all over the place. But now you look at Joe Biden and you think, you know, how is all of this happening what is the dumbest thing he said this week? And I don't know. I'm going to leave that open to interpretation. I believe that there's lots of things that Joe Biden says that is not only, I'm going to say, uh, nonsensical, but some of it is actually like borderline dangerous when he starts saying this is a threat and that's a threat and we don't have whatever. And this is part of, I think, the issue that we have, not just the inaction, right? Like the border, for example, a tremendous amount of inaction there. But... I want to get your thoughts on this. I want to know what your thoughts are on Joe El Baboso Biden. What is the dumbest thing that he said this week? What are your thoughts on this? Let's go to Jerry and Pasek. Jerry, what's up, man? It's always a pleasure to speak to you. What's scary you. to me, the, the, I would have to say everything he said is scary. The thing is, is, is it's like um, he got, you know, we got humiliated in in Alaska by our Secretary of State with the stupidity, and now he's lucky he knows how to tie his shoes. And the other one, I don't think she even knows how to cut a piece of meat because she was completely humiliated. Between the two of them, it's like twiddle-dee and twiddle-dum. Not very encouraging, huh, Jerry? Well, thank you for telling us how you really feel. I appreciate that. Uh, let's squeeze uh, another one in there. Let's go to Irving in Ashburn, Virginia. What's going on, Irving? Yes, hello. How are you? Wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, so um, I'm also a young uh, Latino conservative. Well, and uh, welcome to the It's truly embarrassing. Yeah. Yes, thank you. It's, it's truly embarrassing that we have a president like Biden right now uh, representing us, especially young uh, Latino conservatives, because we come, for example, if they try, uh, liberals and progressives say that they are oppressed, that they are the oppressed peoples of this country. But truly... I would say uh, people who who came here legally to the immigration uh, uh, system that is truly broken in this country, they're the actually oppressed ones. Yeah, and well, they let, let me ask you a help. question, Irving, because you mentioned you were Latino, so that means you fall into a category of people that um, the squad would call brown, right? Because they live their lives through the lens of racism and everything has to be black or brown. And they talk about Tupac. Nope, hold on, I got that wrong. It's not Tupac. It's BIPOC, black indigenous people of color. So as a BIPOC yourself, Irving, as a Hispanic, um, how oppressed do you feel today? Uh, not at all. Because, uh, well, hold I on a second. Have... Every time I turn on CNN, MSNBC, because I follow the news, I, I like to see what's going on with the, our friends on the left. And they told me that if you're brown or black, 
that you are oppressed. So how could you say you're not feeling oppressed? Because they're, honestly, they're liars. <laughs> they're, and that, that's what we need to start doing, especially um, in the younger generation. They are the, the, the silent majority. They truly are. You can ask any, for example, uh, college students nowadays. They do not uh, accept the indoctrination. Of course, accept them, like liberal cities like uh, California, New York, all those places. is truly just going to waste. And it's a shame that we have uh, people like that governing our country. Uh, so I feel like what we need to do, especially as younger people, uh, if there's any younger people listening to this uh, like radio like this or conservative radio, we truly have to start doing our research because it's it's a shame that there's just so much going on. Well, you know, it's funny you say me, that. I mean, I wish there were lots more younger people listening to conservative radio. I think it's one of the best things that I ever did as a young man. But I, I want to ask you this because you mentioned that, you know, people that come here the right way and that you were Hispanic. So what is it that you think is so great about America that you aren't oppressed? Um, the freedom to make money. Uh, we see all these policies that uh, we try to implement in, for example, Central America and uh, the rest of the world, policies that have just failed, uh, like foreign aid, stuff like that. And it's turned those countries, uh, excuse my language, uh, a hellhole, uh, because people don't have the freedom to make the money the way they want to. And in America, that is honestly such a blessing because you can make money being, uh, for example, a musician in the arts yeah. or a laborer, like, for example, uh, an HVAC technician or a plumber. There's endless bounds of money making. And that's how we truly live, which is the pursuit of life, liberty and happiness and privacy as well. well amen, Irvin. Thank you for that call. Let me tell you something. I think you're spot on. That's what it's all about, right? The free market, the ability to earn money. You've heard the great one, Mark Levin, say it a million times and so many others. Thomas Sowell. Um, there's, I mean, I go back into Milton Friedman. So many people talking about the, the greatness of America and at least of our free market system is that it gives true liberty. It gives you the opportunity to thrive and to succeed beyond just surviving. But if you want to just survive, you can do that too. So much so that people come and sneak in and risk life and limb to get here. Not only their life and limb, but that of their children to get here for a shot at this American dream. But you have people that have never really experienced the American dream because they live in a different America. They live in an America that was created by unions, an America that was created by political parties and thrives on tax dollars. Generations of people that have worked in the government, for the government, and they've never participated in the free market. They've never needed a free market idea to succeed because they had tenure, because they had a, a, a protection from a union. They couldn't lose a job unless there was something egregious happening. And you really have this... Two Americas, if you will, and I hate to use that cliche because I think it's kind of corny, but you have this this whole tribe or island of people in America who've never really experienced the America that we're talking about right now. They grew up into government. Their parents were politicians. They're politicians. They're, they're politicians and they get their family and, and their people jobs. And I'm not criticizing them per se. I'm just saying... They don't have, some of them, I know people that come from that background, 
And they have opened businesses and they have succeeded and they're entrepreneurs as well as having a teaching job or a bureaucrat job. So this is nothing where we're creating a monolith of people that work for the government. So don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that group of people exists and they happen to have a convention every single day, all year, 24-7 in Washington. And they call it the swamp. And that's what happens. They thrive on this. They can't wait for you to go to work tomorrow and for me to go to work tomorrow so they can get their next fix of tax money off of your back. Anyway, keep it locked right there. I am Rich Valdez sitting in for the great one. Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. And if we are going to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these things, and it teaches them still today. The great news is that we can all study these things, along with Hillsdale College professors, right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient Judeo-Christian philosophers and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. My friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. Welcome back, America. I am Rich Valdez, sitting in for the great one, Mark Levin. Our telephone number is 877-381-3811. And American Marxism is available for pre-order right now on Amazon. It comes out on July 13th. you got to go there and pre-order it right now. Some of the stuff we were talking about before, in fact, all of it really, stems from the problem that's created in Marxism. And I know you know this. I mean, you don't need me to tell you that when you got the great one, Mark Levin, that's pointing it out. And, and others, he's put a lot of research and, and cites all the sources. But the point is, I may or may not have an advanced copy of this book. I would never admit to that. But if I did, I would urge you, absolutely urge you to buy this book. Because I think you're going to be awakened, enlightened in ways that you previously may not have been from a different angle. If you know anything about Mark Levin and the way he puts his books together, the topic may be a topic you may have heard, but the analysis and the way he breaks it down is second to none. Get a copy of the book, American Marxism. It's available for pre-order now on Amazon. comes out July 13th. You'll get the best price if you order it now, no matter when it, uh, no matter what you pay, you're going to get the best price. Also, This weekend, The Great One's got a brand new Life, Liberty, and Levin this Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern on the Fox News Channel with Senator Ron Johnson and Julie Kelly from American Greatness. So make sure you check that out Sunday at 8 p.m. Follow Mark at Mark Levin Show on Parler and on Rumble, Mark Levin Show. And, of course, subscribe to the Mark Levin Show podcast if you're not listening live. And I know a lot of you don't get the chance to listen live. You check the show out the next day on your way to work, when you're at the gym, etc. 
make sure you subscribe to the Mark Levin Show podcast. And while you're there, there's another really good podcast. And don't try, take my word for it. The great one said it's a pretty good podcast himself. He said it's great. This is America with Rich Valdez. That's my podcast. So uh, please check that out. Click that subscribe button. This way you never, ever miss an episode. Now, we were talking about Joe Biden. And Biden just got an admonition from a uh, familiar voice. That's right. President Trump tells Biden not to fall asleep in his meeting with Putin. Now, I'm on that list, so I get these notifications when the president sends out uh, the 45th president of the United States, President Trump, when he sends out these alerts. Uh, but I'm reading this piece in uh, the Post Millennial from Nick Monroe. Despite the fact that former President Trump was ousted from big tech platforms across the board, and despite shuttering his personal blog site, the Donald is still delivering his signature jabs at world leaders. And as the New York Times recently pointed out, people are still reading and sharing what he has to say. This most recent one being in relation to President Biden's recent international circuit, traveling to meet with world leaders, foreign, blah, 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 blah. And Trump had some advice for his successor. This is where it gets good. Now, I'll give you a little bit of this uh, in my Donaldus Magnus voice, my uh, best impression. This is to pay homage to the 45th president. As president, I had a great and very productive meeting in Helsinki, Finland with President Putin of Russia. Despite the belated fake news portrayal of the meeting, the United States won much included respect of Putin and Russia. And I'll do the rest in my Rich Valdez voice because I do that better. Because of the phony, phony Russia hoax made up and paid for by Democrats and crooked Hillary Clinton, the United States was put at a disadvantage, a disadvantage that was nevertheless overcome by May Donaldus Magnus. So the president goes on to say that they asked Russia and our intelligence, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to get to the point here. Our government has rarely had such low lives as these working for it. Good luck to Biden in dealing with President Putin. Don't fall asleep during the meeting. And please give him my warmest regards. <laughs> I know, I know. I don't have the best Trump. But I will say, this is absolutely fantastic. I love that President Trump is an expert troller. Right. He uh, he knows how to troll people and trigger them. I'm going to call him a triggerer. He is terrific with this stuff. He knows how to get them. And and this is what we need. A, it brings levity. But B, he's letting people know the real deal here. Joel Baboso Biden falls asleep. We saw him doing that on a Zoom call. So this is what we can't have. And I want to get to um, some of your calls. On the way back, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I am Rich Valdez. Coming up next, we're talking about communism and a bunch of stuff that I'm unearthing from the treasure troll of old audio cuts. So keep it locked right there. Don't move a muscle. I am Rich Valdez, and I am sitting in for the great one, Mark Levin. Here. Now, broadcasting from, from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. 
What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, and I am sitting in for the great one, Mark Levin. Our telephone number, 877-381-3811. Progressives think that conservatives are mindless trolls that worship at the altar of Trump while bitterly clinging to our Bibles and our guns. They think we're hypocrites that won't kill babies in the womb, but will happily kill people through climate change and endless wars. Now, is any of that appropriate? Are we supposed to hate them or just beat their ideas with better ideas? I'm going to go with the, with the latter. You see, I believe that our goal is to eliminate their ideas, not eliminate people, right? Because we're not fascists. We're freedom-loving patriots. So I think, you know, when I look at some of these articles, I, I think, man, we've really got to get out there and share these ideas much, much more because that's our job, to share better ideas in the free marketplace of ideas. You know the old saying, hate the sin, not the sinner. It's a battle of wits. So this is why I think so many brave and smart women have been banding together with the country, not necessarily with each other, and going back and fighting for America, fighting for freedom, fighting for their children, fighting for their children's education. On this program, The Mark Levin Show, I think it was last Friday, last Thursday, we played the audio of a mom. I had uh, shared that video. It got a tremendous response. So many people were encouraged by it because she presented it in the right light. She wasn't just pointing out the problem, but she was pushing back on it respectfully. In a a loving way, kind of like the way the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King talked about and taught and preached. But I want you to hear one mom. Her name, Keisha King. She's a mom in Florida, and she was at a school board meeting pushing back against critical race theory, saying, you know, if we don't, this will dismantle America. Check this out. My name is Keisha King. I'm a mom of two, one who's in the Duval County public school system and one in private school thanks to school choice. I'm also a member of Moms for Liberty, uh, representing thousands of parents. Just coming off of May 31st, marking the 100 years of the Tulsa riots, it is sad that we are even contemplating something like critical race theory, where children will be separated by their skin color and deemed permanently oppressors or oppressed in 2021. That is not teaching the truth, unless you believe that whites are better better than blacks. I have personally heard teachers teaching CRT, and we have had an assembly shut down because Duval County Public School System consultant thought it would be a great idea to separate students by race. This is unacceptable. CRT is not racial sensitivity or simply teaching unfavorable American history or teaching Jim Crow history. CRT is deeper and more dangerous than that. CRT and its outworking today is a teaching that there is a hierarchy in society where white, male, heterosexual, able-bodied people are deemed the oppressor and anyone else outside of that uh, status is oppressed. That's why we see corporations like Coca-Cola asking their employees to be less white, which is ridiculous. I don't know about you, but telling my child or any child that they are in a permanent oppressed uh, status in America because they are black is racist. And saying that white people are automatically above me, my children, or any child is racist as well. This is not something that we can stand for in our country. And don't take it from me. Look at the writers of these types of uh, publications. Our ancestors, white, black, and others, hung, bled, and died right alongside each other to push America towards that more perfect union. 
If this continues, we will look back and be responsible for the dismantling of the greatest country in the world by reverting to teaching hate and that race is a determining factor on where your destiny lies. Just imagine that. Just imagine being taught that. Now, what I think is, that's terrible. We know that. We've been hearing about that. Uh, Every time we turn around, we hear about critical race theory. We know it's bad. But what I take from this is how this mom became a champion, not only for her child, but for other parents and everybody that got to see this video. And it's on my Rumble channel if you want to check it out. These people are raising up and raising their voices and standing up. And this is what I think is important because that's what we have to do. We have to stand up for America. And she's not the only mom. There's a bunch of others, and I'm going to let them play. Normally, I would use shorter clips of audio, but I want you to hear the full context of what they're saying. Because I know you don't tune in to hear these moms talk per se. You're tuning in for the great one, Mark Levin, and you're stuck with me. But I'm making this executive decision as Mr. Call Screener here at the Mark Levin Show, associate producer. I'm pulling rank and I'm saying we're going to listen to a little bit more of these moms because I think what they're saying is so important. And if we don't believe we can do what they are doing, then we need to play that video over and over and over again until we figure out how to do it just as good as they do. But we all need to go out there and do it. I want you to listen to G. Van Fleet. Her mother grew up in Mao's communist China at a Loudoun County school board meeting. And this one is from yesterday, but I want you to hear it again because she says critical race theory is the American version of the Chinese cultural revolution. Check this out. I've been very alarmed about what's going on in our school. You are now teaching, training our children to be social justice warriors and to loathe our country and our history. Uh, Growing up in Mao's China, all this seemed very familiar. The uh, communist regime used the same critical theory to divide people. The only difference is they use class instead of race. During the Cultural Revolution, I witnessed students and teachers turn against each other. We changed school names to be politically correct. Um, We were taught to denounce our heritage. The Red Guards destroyed anything that is not communist. Old uh, statues, books, and anything else. We are also encouraged to report on each other, just like the uh, Student Equity Ambassador Program and the Bias Reporting System. This is indeed the American version of the Chinese Communist, the Chinese Cultural Revolution. The critical race theory has its roots in cultural Marxism. It should have no place in our schools. Amen and amen. And I think this mom is spot on. We need to continue to put these moms front and center so that people know who they are. But this isn't about them. This is about America. It's about fighting for what's right. It's about doing what matters for our children when people aren't teaching the truth and they're pushing back. And I love it. I'm loving every second of this stuff because, you know, the other day on my podcast, This is America with Rich Valdez. Interestingly, that's how it would be named. I said, moms are taking back America and moms are going to defeat cultural uh, criticism. Excuse me. (laughs) Take two, Mr. Producer, take three. Moms are going to defeat critical race theory and save this republic from where we're headed if we don't. And that's just the bottom line. Now, got one more. Rachel, actually two more, maybe three. Don't go anywhere. This is going to get good. Rachel Pisani, she's a mom at Loudoun County School Board meeting. She's saying it's not allowable to bully or dismiss our views as parents. My goodness, is she right? 
this government on, wait till you hear this clip of I have of of a really, really uh, great radio host that I respect a lot out in the field doing some activism, making some comments about whose government it is. But right now I want you to hear from this mom. Her name is Rachel Pisani. Check this out. I have three children in Loudoun County. Um, it's been months, and I haven't come forward and said anything. I'd like to first address those that called out rules earlier because it's astonishing to me that the same ones hollering about rules are the ones that are actually supporting you breaking the rules. I also would like to say, where is your regard? Where is your regard for our freedom of speech? Those aren't just rules, that's our Constitution. When I saw a teacher express an opinion and suspended for expressing his religious beliefs, I could no longer stay silent. When did it become acceptable to be tolerant only when someone expresses a view that we agree with? When did it become appropriate to silence those that hold Christian biblical views just because you don't? When did it become appropriate to allow the school board, I don't know who you think you are, but it is not appropriate, it is not allowable to silence, bully, or dismiss our views as parents? Ian Fryer to be followed by Elizabeth Loyko. Man, you know, it's funny. Uh, in the radio game, we get potted down, and then I'm told I can't talk during the breaks and during the audio. But she just got potted down herself, right? They just turned off her mic because they were done. Her time was up. Uh, they said, I reclaimed my time. And you know what? What she had was, uh, I think, very appropriate. Parents need to be reminded that the power is with the people. We, the people, are in charge. And I know I sound like a broken record, but that's the real deal. And it's not just radio people or political people, activists. No, I think regular everyday people like these moms need to become activists. Many of them are activists and we need more of them because moms will take back America. Moms will take back the schools. This is the most important thing right now because we I think we it's safe to say we've lost a, a bunch of young people that are millennials and Gen Z. But they're going after kindergartners, and that's something that we can't allow. Now, you heard this fiery piece, and we're not going to play the whole thing that you heard on this show and then you heard all over the media. But I do want you to hear a little bit of Tatiana Ibrahim in Carmel, New York. And we're going, you know, from Florida to Virginia to New York. Had a school board meeting last week. Check this out. I think the Board of Education and those sitting on the panels are thieves. I think they're liars and have committed treason against our children. My message to this district and the members of the Board of Ed, stop indoctrinating our children. Stop teaching our children to hate the police. Stop teaching our children that if they don't agree with the LGBT community, that they're homophobic. You have no idea each child's life. You don't know what their family lifestyle consists of. You don't know the makeup of their their life. You have children like mine who is Muslim and I'm Christian. And everyone would think they would never believe that of her, right? Because the way she looks, or according to Miss Cyrus, she's too pasty white. Ma'am, ma'am, excuse me, I'm up, up here. 
we're, we're not allowed to use names. If you have something you'd like to discuss about a specific person, you can call the superintendent or leave your info for her to call you tomorrow. Why are we not allowed to discuss names? Why am I not allowed when they purposely themselves expose themselves on social media talking about calling for the death of a former president or saying that any child that doesn't believe in Black Lives Matter should be canceled out? Is this what my tax dollars is paying for? Exactly. You have to stand up. Listen, that's a tough mom. That's three tough moms in a row, each with a different style, each bringing something different to the table. One saying she has Muslims in her family. The other woman, African-American. The other woman, Caucasian. This has nothing to do with race. These are parents that care about their children. Tough moms, strong moms. Listen, I know a thing or two about strong moms. I had one. My Puerto Rican mother, listen, if you got her mad, right away she'd start with some fair warnings like, Mira, nene, no seas bobo. Listen, kid, don't be a fool. But if that didn't go, she would just stand by you. Stand by like the doorway with like the towel or a spoon or whatever. <laughs> and she just go, go ahead, pasa. And, and of course, you knew you were going to get smacked on the way through. <laughs> so, so you don't want to go. <laughs> and, and she'd be just there towering over you. As, you know, and, no, I don't want to go. And she's, pasa, pasa por ahí. And I'm like, I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. No, no, no. Put the chancleta away, man. Put it down slowly. Let me see your hands. But that's how it was. Moms are tough. They have a tough job. They carry an incredible burden on their shoulders. And right now, they're holding the future of the American public education system on their shoulders. And maybe it doesn't have to stay public. Maybe we go to privatization a little bit more than we have. Maybe we go to charters through the public school. I'm going to do a little little uh, analysis, a little bit talking about charters because I think that's important. And I spent uh, close to 10 years on the, bo- uh, on the board of a charter school. But all of that being said, I salute these moms because what they're doing is absolutely critical. Keep it locked right there. I am Rich Valdez. Our phone number 877-381-3811. Your calls and more straight ahead. Mark Levin. Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs with the absolute best consumer service team based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com. And enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L E V I N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. Welcome back, America. Rich Valdez filling in for the great one, Mark Levin. Our phone number is 877-381-3811. And uh, when I hit the phones, let's go to John in Raleigh, North Carolina. John, what's going on? 
Rich, how are you tonight? Wonderful. Thanks for taking my call. I want to suggest to everybody a way that, that every individual can, can fight back practically against CRT uh, and, and this postmodernism trash that they're trying to infiltrate our country with, and, and that's to take back language. We've, we've allowed these postmodernists to, to take language and mold it and redefine it to mean what they want it to mean. And then they use it and club us over the head with, it, with us, right? And the best example of that as of late is Black Lives Matter, right? Black Lives Matter, we all know, does not mean Black Lives Matter, because they do, obviously. They're a life from God, right? But it means something far different. And, and they create a Kafka trap for people where we walk right into it, and you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. If you de- deny it, that's evidence that's, that you're a racist. And if you, uh, if you agree with it, well, then they've got you. All right, John, so you're saying you're not a racist. I'm not a racist. I'm a lot of things. I'm not a racist. Are you an anti-racist? Absolutely not. That's a lie from the pit of hell. <laughs> yeah, is, is it, is, and that's the trap they try to set for us, right? It's either you're a racist or you're an anti-racist. You're one or the other. You can't be, you know, there is no in-between. As if, you know, there actually was an in-between, but it's, it's just not a thing. That's why I say I'm an anti-racist. I'm part of the browning of America because race is such an insignificant thing, but it's been made into such a significant thing that it's, holding people back it's labeling them permanently as the oppressed and i think that's just a horrible thing so john yeah i i appreciate your point of taking back the language and the nomenclature and the way they change the definition of words and create these new norms of how we say things i think it's horrible but thank you so the music means there's more to come straight ahead we're going to talk about what's going on in some of the schools plus I've got some really good audio that I want you to hear, plus a few more calls. We've got people on the line. Keep it locked right there. Rich Valdez in for the great one. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all the social media, sitting in for the great one, Mark Levin, our telephone number, 877-381-3811. And I'm looking at this piece in the New York Post by Samuel Chamberlain. Columbia professor calls on parents to pull kids from New Jersey prep school over critical race theory. A prominent black Columbia University professor has called on New Jersey parents to pull their kids out of a prestigious Bergen County, New Jersey prep school after an English teacher resigned over what she called, quote, hostile culture of conformity and fear, end quote, created by critical race theory, saying, and this is a Professor McHorter saying this, All hail Dana Stangle Plow, who's resigned from the Dwight Englewood School, which teaches students anti-racism that sees life as nothing but abuse of power and teaches that cringing hostile group identity against oppression is the essence of self. And that's John McWhorter, who is also a contributor to various publications. He went on to say, truly anti-racist parents in the name of love of their kids should pull them from the Dwight Englewood school as of next fall. Only this 
will arrest these misguided elect parishioners from their quest to forge a new reality for us all. Now, McWhorter is an associate professor of English and comparative literature at the Ivy League uh, Columbia University. And he also wrote a book earlier this year. And the only reason I'm mentioning the title is because I think it's interesting. The elect neo-racists posing as anti-racists and their threat to a progressive America. Interesting. And he, he, he promoting the book, he said, Racism is baked into the structure of society, so whites and complicity and living within it constitutes racism itself. While for black people, grappling with the racism surrounding them is the totality of experience and must condition exquisite sensitivity toward them, including a suspension of standards of achievement and conduct. I think that's uh, an interesting statement because I think in, in many ways, I don't, it's not my words, those are his, but it sums up when someone says, look, I, I don't support the concept of systemic racism. But of course, I'll acknowledge that there's racism. Sure. It's like, you know, if you go to, I don't know, let's pick a place, Connecticut. Are we going to say there's a crime wave in Connecticut? Is there a, a massive uh, crime problem in Connecticut? Is that when you turn on the news? No. When you turn on the news, you hear New York City shootings up 87 percent, Philly, all these other places. Right. So you can say they have a crime problem, but you can't say Connecticut has one even if certain cities in Connecticut may have one. And that's the point that I think he's making there, is that while racism exists, we can't sit here and condition people to think that this is a permanent death sentence to them. And I, I, I agree with that notion. Now, in a re resignation letter posted on Tuesday on the website of the Foundation Against Intolerance and Racism, English teacher Stangleplow, Ms. Stangleplow, accused Dwight Englewood administrators of, quote, failing our students, end quote, by embracing critical race theory. I want you to listen to this video that she put together on that website. Today I am resigning from a job that I love. My name is Dana Stangleplow. I became an English teacher at Dwight Englewood School seven years ago because as a parent, I loved how the school both nurtured and challenged my own children. But over the past few years, the school has embraced an ideology that is damaging to our students' intellectual and emotional growth. An ideology that requires students to see themselves not as individuals, but as representatives of either an oppressor or oppressed group. This theoretical framework pervades every division of Dwight Englewood as the singular way of seeing the world. As a result, students now arrive in my classroom accepting ideology simply as fact. I've seen up close how this hinders their ability to read, write, and think. They've become obsessed with power hierarchies. I teach students who recoil from a poem because it was written by a man. I teach students who approach texts in search of the oppressor, who see iniquities in texts that have nothing to do with power. This ideology limits students' ability to observe and engage with the full fabric of human experience in our literature. Men are oppressors, women are oppressed, and so on. This is the dominant and divisive ideology that is guiding our adolescent students. And Stengel Plow's letter went on to describe students and their recoils that you just heard, and etc. One student not wanting to develop a personal essay because she had uh, had an experience in another country and for fear that it would mean that she would somehow be racist. I mean, this is some crazy stuff of 
just epic proportion here. And, you know, it's interesting. And this is coming out of my hood, right? I live about 15 or 20 minutes away from Inglewood, New Jersey. And I'm just thinking, wow, this stuff is hitting home everywhere. Everywhere you go, the push is on. And we are late to the dance. We're late to the game. But it doesn't mean that we're out for the count. We can come back swinging. We're still in the fight. Now, she continued. I want you to hear the rest of this. In my professional opinion, as an educator, the school is failing to encourage healthy habits of mind, essential for growth, such as intellectual curiosity, humility, honesty, reason, and the capacity to consider multiple perspectives and weigh competing ideas. In our school, the opportunity even to hear competing ideas is practically non-existent. Sadly, as a result, the school is leading many to become true believers and outspoken purveyors of a regressive and illiberal orthodoxy. Our young students have no idea that the school has placed ideological blinders on them. Of course, not all students are true believers. Many pretend to agree because of pressure to conform. I've heard from students who want to ask a question, but stop out of fear. I've heard from students who don't participate in discussions for fear of being ostracized. Fear of being ostracized. This is what everybody's afraid of. The quote-unquote cancel culture, or at least just being put apart. The very thing that they're supposed to be fighting against, othering and being othered, is what they do. I mean, this this really, it, it, I find it irksome because I, I've never lived life this way. If, if you listen to my podcast, This is America with Rich Valdez, you've heard me talk about my upbringing Born in Brooklyn. Then I moved to Jersey in the sixth grade. And I remember being in kindergarten. And during nap time, we were on these little blue fold-out mats. We had to take a nap. And I didn't always sleep, but you had to put your head down and pretend. And I would, you know, always like, you know, try to get myself in trouble somehow. And and there was, a, you know, people around you. You had neighbors. I, I remember this like yesterday. Osama Marrero. And if I remember correctly, he was part... Egyptian, part Dominican. Stan Hope Ellis, his family was Haitian. Dean Moet, his family was Haitian. Mark Schulman, his family was Jewish. And we all lived 10 or 15 minutes away from public school 197 right off of King's Highway. That's how I grew up. That was my upbringing. Now I realize this is on 400 stations across America and there's literally probably close to 20 million people that are listening with Sirius and the podcast numbers built in. And you may not have had a similar upbringing. I get it. And that's cool. But I've always lived in a place where people didn't look like me. We were all different. Everybody had different cultures. Once I moved to Jersey, one of my best friends, Peruvian, another one, Puerto Rican like me. Another one, his parents were Indian but they themselves fascinating, wonderful people. Dad was born in Pakistan to Indian parents who were doing business in Pakistan. Mom was born Indian. She was born in Vietnam and grew up in England. And my friend was born in Nigeria. They're all Indian. So, I mean, just this is the upbringing I had. I've always been around lots of people. It's like the United Nations. But yet, all that being said... You have people that today are using this as a crutch and not a crutch for their own issue. I'm not blaming anybody. I'm not blaming BLM or anything like that. I'm talking about 
They're using this just like they used, like the woman said earlier, in the Chinese Communist Revolution. They pick something, whether it's the culture, they want to rename buildings. This is all to push an agenda, to push an ideology, to push a system upon people. It's not about what it seems. It's not really about being racist or anti-racist or anything else or critical anything. This is just a mechanism to teach this ideology. That is the problem. And that's part of the reason I got involved in starting a charter school close to a decade ago. And I want to tell you a little bit more about that. So keep it locked right there. I am Rich Valdez sitting in for the great one. Mark in. Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs with the absolute best consumer service team based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. What's up, America? Rich Valdez. Valdez with an S. At Rich Valdez on all the social media, Parlor, Twitter, Instagram. Make sure you give us a follow. And I'm filling in for the great one, Mark Levin. 877-381-3811 is our phone number. Let's go to Jeff in Sparta, New Jersey. We were just talking about the moms, and we were talking about a school in Jersey. Jeff, what's going on? Hey, Rich. How you doing? You got it, my man. I love you, Patriots, man. Mark has a great show. You do a great you do a great job filling in. Thank you, sir. A um, couple things I wanted to talk to, to you about. If you could just give me a, just a minute. Um, I wanted to let Mark know and you as well that I've, I have over 100 books now pre-ordered. Wow. And I, I'm planning on passing them out to everybody with the contingency that they pass it forward when they're done reading it to somebody else. Amen to that. Uh, I'm a Harvard-trained physician myself. I finished residency 15 years ago. And at that time, I was a known conservative, which was a rarity, and I was treated like garbage. I could only imagine what it's like up there today. Um, Oh, yeah, I was was blackballed. Me and one other guy in the program had about 75 residents. It was just uh, an onslaught day after day, but you know what? We kept fighting. we got to do that more now than ever. Um, I'm a white guy, so what am I supposed to do in life? Stop living my American dream because I happen to be born white? I, I don't understand. Like, what am I supposed to do? I, my family came here after slavery. We were never even more in this country. Um, and you were on critical race theory, a couple things on that. I heard a great thing the other day to sum it up. If you're a store owner uh, and a black guy and a white guy walk in, if you help the black guy first, it's because you're worried he's going to steal something, and that's racist. If you help the white guy first, you're worried then that the black guy's getting second-class treatment. That's racism. CRT is a no-solution racism, either outcome, either way. It's just not a viable, it's, just, it's insanity. It's dividing this country. 
I'm going to the school board meeting next Tuesday in my town. My two daughters, ages 16 and 13, for years have been telling me how they know more about their teachers' sexual proclivities than they do our learning education. It's insanity. You know, Jeff, man, I thank you for that. Thank you for standing up because, you know, sounds like you have a lot to lose. You still have kids that are school-aged. You have a career. You have a practice or whatever it is that you're doing with yourself. And you're putting yourself out there going to this meeting because, like I said, there's a target on you. And the only way that you have that gumption is because you had it when you were a known or let's call you an out, right, (laughs) an out conservative when you were in residency. And I think it's that that, – callous that builds on you from doing that with time that you get used to dealing with this because I don't believe that we need to live in silos. I don't believe it's us versus them. I believe it's good ideas versus bad ideas and that ultimately we can win some of them. We can't win them all, but good ideas will prevail. Am I wrong? Yeah, Rich, I I totally agree. I have a private practice, and thankfully, I don't have to deal with these political venues that are in, you know, corporate industries these days. I will not ever again work for a hospital. I will do some other line of work. I will never work for hospitals again. Everybody assumes you're a liberal. I don't understand where that ideology (laughs) comes from. They figure it's because you live in Jersey. That's the antithesis of what it should be. Yeah, I'm sorry. I said, that's because you live in Jersey. I go through the same thing. People look at me like, oh, yeah, man, this is Trump. I'm going to fight the fight. I love Trump, man. You know, I was a Ted Cruz guy. Trump won me. He did everything he was going to say he was going to do. He did it. Even though his tax tax cuts hurt me, a supposed rich person, I still love the guy because you know what? He fought through it all, and he did great stuff for this country. My taxes went way up. That's why every time I heard Pelosi say, oh, the rich got a break, my accountant called me that day. We were laughing. I mean, it wasn't funny because I paid $40,000 more taxes that year. But you know what? I love the guy. He's a patriot, and he'll go down with this country if that's what happens, but I don't think that's going to happen. Well, you know what, Jeff? And we all have to be patriots that way and take one for the team if we've been so blessed to live in this best country on God's green earth where we have that opportunity to make that money. So thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for standing up to critical race theory at the school board. And that's what it, that's what it needs to be. And again, not trying to break my arm while I'm patting myself on the back, but this is what I've been involved with for most of my adult life and my career and volunteerism. I was on the school board as a founder. I helped start a charter school. It was a fascinating experience. And I'll tell you a little bit about uh, my story, how I became a founder of a beloved community charter school. And it was a parent, a mom, a lobbyist, a teacher, a nearby mayor, a local city business manager, myself, and a state official that had spent close to a decade in uh, the education sector. And we connected with a former mayor, Brett Schundler, and a state education commissioner, which he was under Chris Christie. And he had a clear vision for a school that was built on the principles of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King's concept of the beloved community. Now, this is not a Marxist concept. You might disagree or agree with some of the things that MLK said. I agree with most of them, although there's always, whenever you say, oh, I like Martin Luther King, I, I, I agree with that. There's always some, oh, did you know he was this? Did you know that? Did you know? Listen, you, you could find skeletons in any closet you look in, but by and large, this guy changed America, if not the world, in many ways. So kudos to MLK and his concept of the beloved community. And, you know, he says something where he says the end 
is reconciliation. The end is redemption. The end is the creation of a beloved community. And I think we have this audio. So I want you to hear this quick cut from the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. Check this out. The aftermath of nonviolence is the creation of the beloved community. The aftermath of nonviolence is redemption. The aftermath of nonviolence is reconciliation. The aftermath of violence, however, is bitterness. This is the thing I'm concerned about. Let us fight passionately and unrelentingly for the gold of justice and freedom. Let's be sure that our hands are clean in the struggle. Let us never fight with falsehood and violence and hate and malice, but always fight with love so that when the day comes that the walls of segregation have completely crumbled in Montgomery, that we will be able to live with people as their brothers and sisters. Oh, my friends, I aim must be not to defeat Mr. Engelhardt, not to defeat Mr. Shallows and Mr. Gale and Mr. Parks. I aim must be to defeat the evil that's in them. Now listen, there's a little bit more of that I'm going to play for you on the other side, but straight ahead we're going to talk about some other interesting stuff along with Reverend Dr. King and Manning Johnson. You probably know him, some of you do, some of you don't, but either way we're going to get straight to that. I'm Rich Valdez filling in for the great one, Mark Levin. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post... Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S at Rich Valdez on all the social media. I'm the host of This Is America with Rich Valdez. You can subscribe to that wherever you get your podcasts. And I am filling in for the great one, Mark Levin, tonight. Now, our telephone number, 877-381-3811. And we were in the middle of talking about several topics, and they're all interrelated because it's all about the American Marxists that are doing damage to America. And this is what Mark Levin describes in his new book, American Marxism, which is available for pre-order right now on Amazon.com. The book comes out in July, but you can pre-order a copy now. And I highly recommend that you do, because I may or may not have received an advanced copy of this book. And I want to stress to you that it's a book you definitely want to read. And that's probably the best that I can put it. It's really that good. There's so much valuable information in here. And again, when uh, Levin writes a book, it, it's the goal is scholarship and a pass-through rate. Like, you know, here, take this to pass it on for generations, and I think you're going to. It's a really valuable book. This is not something that I think Mark wrote to puff up his ego. I don't think he needs that. I don't think he needs uh, media appearances either. He's got a tremendous platform. Uh, This is really something he did as a labor of love for 
you, the American people, for us, we the people. So get a copy of that on Amazon.com and check them out this Sunday, Life, Liberty, and Levin, this Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern on Fox with Senator Ron Johnson and Julie Kelly. And follow them on Parlor and Rumble at Mark Levin Show. Now, we talked about moms that are coalescing across America, fighting critical race theory, which is just one arm, one tangent of this American Marxism. And we talked about how it's spreading through our government and it's spreading with, with impunity in many ways. And I want to talk about the congressional testimony and a book by a guy named Manning Johnson. Now, many of you know who Manning Johnson is. He's a former communist. And then he became a turncoat and said, I don't want to be a communist anymore. And I want to get into that, and I want to do a little bit of a deep dive. But before I do, we were in the middle of an admonition by the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, one that I think is so important, and I want to give it its due, all due respect. So uh, let's take that from the top, Mr. Producer. Listen to the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. The aftermath of nonviolence is the creation of the beloved community. The aftermath of nonviolence is redemption. The aftermath of nonviolence is reconciliation. The aftermath of violence, however, is bitterness. This is the thing I'm concerned about. Let us fight passionately and unrelentingly for the goals of justice and freedom. Let's be sure that our hands are clean in the struggle. Let us never fight with falsehood and violence and hate and malice, but always fight with love so that when the day comes that the walls of segregation have completely crumbled in Montgomery, that we will be able to live with people as our brothers and sisters. Oh, my friends, our aim must be not to defeat Mr. Engelhardt, not to defeat Mr. Shallows and Mr. Gale and Mr. Parks. I must be to defeat the evil that's in them. But I must be to win the friendship of Mr. Gale and Mr. Sellers and Mr. Engelhardt. We must come to the point of seeing that our ultimate aim is to live with all men as brothers and sisters under God and not be their enemies or anything that goes with that type of relationship. Let us fight in love, but not with malice or hate, is what the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King said. And I have to agree with that. Now, I know that type of talk turns off some people. Some people don't want to do things because maybe you don't agree with me. But I do believe in people. I believe in America, and I believe in Americans. And I don't have to agree with everybody. You see, I don't need to live in a world, a utopian fantasy, where everybody agrees with my politics. I don't need to live there. But Rich, they're destroying America. All right, so guess what? If somebody's doing something that you don't like, there's so many options to push back. The other night, little tangent here. The other night, I left the Levin studio went home, I got a text message from Assemblyman Robert Auth in New Jersey, and he says, hey, we're at X, Y, and Z restaurant. It was the New Jersey elections, and they were counting whatever, and he said, if you want to stop by, he's part of the Bergen County Republican uh, uh, organization. And I said, you know what, yeah, I'll stop by. I stopped by. They celebrated his primary victory. And the point is, not to plug the Assemblyman, but to talk about how the 
I got together with people there and saw people from all over the place, all walks of life doing different things. Some people said, look, I can't get involved. I can't put my name out there, but I could do all your digital stuff. I'm, you know, I'll be up till two in the morning posting stuff on Facebook, doing this, doing that. Everybody has a role. Everybody has a spoke that they can be in this wheel of making America better. Everybody. I sat down. Girl next to me happened to be somebody I've known since sixth grade. And I saw her and I was like, oh, and she's like, oh, I'm an HR person and, uh, you know, I live in whatever now. And I decided to get involved because things are just getting out of hand. And that's how it happens. And everybody gets involved. And that's how it happened for me when I got with the school board. And, and the reason I brought up Dr. King was because we believed in this idea of a beloved community where you have love for your fellow man, where we have love for our neighbor, where we have love for our fellow American. Even if that fellow American doesn't believe in everything I believe in. And a lot of people take exception when I say that, but I think that's the only way. What he's talking about is defeating ideas. And we must defeat ideas. Now, I'm not talking about def- befriending people that believe in the trafficking of children or any type of obscene craziness, uh, evil. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm saying people that fundamentally have political differences with us, we should be able to talk about them. And it can get a little bit heated, but it doesn't have to be, well, you know what? I can't talk to you anymore. Oh, can't come to Thanksgiving anymore. And if you do, we can't talk about anything. We've got to be able to broach these conversations better. Civility is key. We are a civil society. And this conversation, not just critical race theory, but so many things, are eroding the civility of our our civilization. And I think that's out of hand. And I'm going to get to your calls in a moment. But I wanted to bring that up because I think it's so important that we do what these moms are doing. These moms aren't going in there and being belligerent. They're not going in there and, and being rude. They're being obstinate if they have to be. But they're being direct. And they're being succinct. And that's what we all have to do. And I really wanted to, to punctuate that because I think that's so important. And if you take anything away from this show, take away that. That your goal should be to earn someone's friendship. And even if you can't earn their friendship, it doesn't mean that you need to have an enemy. We're not here to eliminate people. We're here to challenge bad ideas and beat them with good ideas. Moving on. Communism. Now, communism was all the talk in the 1950s. And everybody said, oh, that McCarthy, he's pushing the red scare, you see. And it's one of those things where everybody thought it was just BS until you see things happening, until you see things like the leader or co-founder of Black Lives Matter speaking at a college. I think it was for a commencement address. So we're now lauding these people as heroes when they call for the destruction of property, the, if nothing else, the destruction of the nuclear family. One of those things that I think we should hold nearest and dearest to our hearts, right? Is, isn't that the most fundamental thing we have in society? Now, I get it. If you're preaching to a bunch of orphans who don't know family, they're like, what family? I don't know family. Then, okay, that's fine. Then we have to, again, use MLK's philosophy, try and win them over, not try and fight them. But my point is, most of us know and see the value of family. We understand how important that is. Most of us get up every day and go to work and do what we do for our families. But for family, where would we be? I know I love mine. I'm sure you love yours. 
Now, Manning Johnson joined the family, the Communist Party of the United States of America, back in 1931. Now, I think the Manning Johnson story is one that he would tell you better than I would. So, we're going to take a call, and then I'll get into Manning Johnson. Right? Let's go to Brian in Virginia. XM, go. Hey, how you doing? I am you doing well. Yes, loud and clear. Excellent. Excellent. So I was calling in, and I've scoured the Internet, and basically what I'm trying to understand is, is that what is the definition that people are using for critical race theory? And I'll give you an example. Like, when you look up Common Core, none of, no, none of us agree with Common Core. But well, I can find it depends it. who you talk to, but what's the point? Well, the, the point is what I'm calling. It's not really. I'm calling in with a question as into what is the definition of what you're using for critical race theory. Well, uh, I exactly? spe- okay. Well, uh, we gave the answer a little earlier. Not only did I allude to it when I was uh, reading from this article, but we played two clips of audio from this woman, um, Ms. Plow, hyphenated last time. I'm forgetting the first name, and and I think she described it really well. As did the uh, professor from Columbia University that really kind of laid it out there saying that they're failing their students by trying to create this new reality where they teach them that hostile group identity against themselves is their own self-identity in in a nutshell. But I'm not sure where you wanted to go with this, but you made your point and I thank you for it. I didn't want to jump into the Manning Johnson stuff because we do have to take a, a quick pause and pay the bills. But as soon as we do, I want you to hear from Manning Johnson himself. we got a little classic clip of audio, plus a couple of things I want to share with you. So keep it locked right there. I am Rich Valdez, in for the great one. Mark Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, sitting in for the great one, Mark Levin, 877-381-3811. Manning Johnson was a part of the Communist Party. But first, anybody who has an opposing opinion always gets to the front of the line. And we've got Max in Washington, D.C. that wants to share his thoughts. And this is an open platform for you, Max. Go for it. Hey. 
Uh, thanks for taking the call. Uh, I'm sitting here, and first, before I, I say anything on my opinions, I wanted to clarify uh, your comments on systemic racism. You said earlier uh, that you understand racism can exist, but not necessarily systemic racism. Do you think that systemic racism as a concept just flat out does not exist? Can you point to an example of systemic racism today? Uh, well, first off, I'm just talking so about that's a no. the concept exists in a society. Are all. you able to so answer yes, the question? I can, actually. Uh, Go for it. Yes. So uh, I think redlining... Uh, Is redlining a process we use today? No, it's not. It's Can not you point to an example of systemic racism today? I, I think the effects of systemic racism, such as redlining, does carry Give you on. 10 seconds. Can you point to an example of systemic racism today? To build generational wealth, it's to buy a home. And if you are forcing groups of people based on race, based on religion... Your whatever, example is that people can't save money? It's that the system of redlining has prevented people from buying is a home. Is redlining a system we use today? Stop being a clown and answer the question. I'm, I'm saying no, but that... All right, if, so you, you answer the question, my no. Point, Which systemically racist system do you want to point out today? Uh, I, I think you can also look at policing. You can look at... Uh, so you're saying policing today is systemically racist? Yes. How so? If you look at, if you look at the demographics of police forces and communities of color and how oftentimes... I'm in New York. More than half of the police here are BIPOC. So you're saying it's black, indigenous people of color that are being systemically racist towards other black, indigenous people of color. Is that what you're saying? I'm saying that if you look at police forces... It's a yes or no. It's not that difficult, Max. I'm trying to talk to you here. I'm trying to have a conversation, but you're getting circuitous. So you're, you're trying to have, you're saying you're trying to have a no, conversation. No, I am trying. I'm asking you a question, and you're failing to answer it. And the reason you fail to answer it is because you don't have an answer. You want to call here and say, this is this, and that is that, and we've got this, and blah, blah, blah. And you want to cry from the rooftops, but you can't make a single example, and you live in the past. See, you're talking about how you want to have conversations, and you're not letting me make my point. And my point is that if you look at... Communities of color, they're often not policed by people from within those communities. So, All right, well, again, I made an you, example. The biggest police force in the United States of America, if not the whole world, is more than half minority. This is a community of color, New York City. Widespread evidence, multiple examples. Can you answer that question? You said that communities of color don't have police departments that mirror them, which, again, is in and of itself is stupid. That's like saying I'm turning on the radio and they better have a Puerto Rican host that was born in Brooklyn that loves America or I'm not listening because you're racist. Your point is based on nothing. No, my, uh, again, if you look at redlining, you look at... Why would I look at redlining if it was ended by a matter of law 50 years ago? If you look at... if. Just because it was outlawed a long okay, time so ago. Okay, so that means it's illegal, that it doesn't exist. 
the system doesn't exist anymore, but its effects still do. It's like how a hurricane can pass through a city and not have the eye of the storm over the yeah, city well, you know, Ronald Reagan existed once, and he doesn't, and we still feel the effects of his legacy, but that doesn't mean that Reagan exists today. The points that you're making are just, quite frankly, asinine. I think uh, we give you one more shot to name a racist system today. I would say suspensions in schools. If you look at how white so school children- suspensions are in and of themselves a system, the the punitive school discipline is, a, is an school. entire system that's racist. I think you don't even believe yeah. that one. Thanks for your call. The music means we got to go. This is what happens, folks. You try to have a conversation with someone. They they just want to hear the sound of their own voice. Maybe Max should get into talk radio, start a podcast. Keep it locked right there. I'm Rich Valdez in for the great one. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, the host of This Is America. And today I have the privilege of hosting the Mark Levin Show. Speaking of Mark Levin, I've got a message from Mark Levin. He's been in touch with Mr. Producer, and we're going to bring you that information um, in the next segment. But right now we're going to get to Manning Johnson. He joined the United States Communist Party in 1931, worked as an organizer in Buffalo, New York, until he transferred to New York City where he joined the National Committee of the Communist Party. He left the party in 1940 and is the author of Color, Communism, and Common Sense. He writes about his path following left-wing philosophy. And I just for the record, because we're on the radio and you can't see, like me, Manning Johnson is a black indigenous person of color, BIPOC, not to be confused with Tupac. Now, here's a quote from some of the um, stuff in the book. He says, to me, the end of capitalism would mark the beginning of an interminable period of plenty, of peace, prosperity, and universal comradeship. All racial and class differences and conflicts would end forever after the liquidation of capitalists, their government, and their supporters. A world union of Soviet states under hegemony of Russia would be free and lead mankind to utopia. Being an idealist, I was sold on this bill of goods. His words, not mine. By a BIPOC graduate of the Lenin Institute. And of course, he used a different word. But 
That's Manning Johnson, and we have a, a snippet of audio, and of course you could find his stuff. I tweeted it out before. You could check that out at Rich Valdez on Parlor, on Twitter, on Instagram. But I want you to hear what Manning Johnson had to say. Check this out. And there are certain people who are using the Negro in order to establish that power in Washington. And the Negro is just merely a pawn. It is our duty to arrest this development toward the concentration and centralization of power in Washington. If we do not arrest this development, then we're on the road to dictatorship. At the root of all racial unrest in the country is the clammy, cold, bloody hand of communism. We must arrest it. And we must try to bring America back to sanity. And let us pray and work that misunderstanding, the bitterness, the hate, and the frustration, and the tension that exists may disappear, and that the spirit of God, the spirit of truth, the spirit of charity may prevail again amongst our people. So, that's Manning Johnson. He's a turncoat commie. He turned his back on the Communist Party. I continue, another quote here. The color of one's skin is no bar to a young man or woman dreaming of making a better world. Like other Negroes, Manning's word, not mine, I experienced and saw so many injustices, inequities around the world based upon color, not ability. I was told that the decadent capitalist system is responsible, that mass pressure could force concessions, but that just prolongs the life of capitalism. That I must work to unite and work with all those who are more or less agreeing with me that capitalism must go. And he goes on. I mean, there's a bunch of stuff here, and I'm not going to read it all to you, but this is great stuff. And um, this is an article on unconstrained analytics. And the audio is all over. And again, I, I tweeted that out. There's a full version of that audio on YouTube. And it's, it's brilliant. And, and the book is brilliant. And it's from 1958. And the things that he talks about. And he went on. He testified before a committee in Congress. Some of the things he talked about. I mean, just fascinating stuff. Because the, the crux of it is he blows the lid off of this. What we're seeing today. What Mark Levin is writing about in American Marxism. Manning Johnson was sounding the alarm about. But he, he didn't have the solution. He just had the ability to say, this is the problem. This is what's going on because he knew he'd spent time inside the belly of the beast. And it's remarkable. Looking at another quote here. The major organizational form of the United Front in which churches were involved was the American League Against War and Fascism, which has been headed by the Reverend Harry Ward. That organization was key to the Communist Party front. There was no other Communist Party front in all of the solar system of organizations of the Communist Party that involved so many ministers, churches, and religious organizations. Let me pause right there. This is why we have liberation theology. People preaching that Jesus was a communist because they're being indoctrinated in church. This cultural Marxism is creeping its way into everything and creating American Marxists. And that's why I think um, The Great One's new book is so poignant and so necessary at such a time as this. But I'll continue. In fact, this organization was the key to the infiltration of the church. 
And as a result of the successful infiltration and penetration, they were able to involve these ministers and every other communist front through the years through present time. And then it goes on. It talks about fascism. But there's a couple of lines I want to read to you here that I think are important. Because he talks about when such a campaign like the one against war or fascism, and that was big back in these days, this is what their focus was. It was used as a cover to attack our government, to attack our social systems, to attack our leaders. Does that sound familiar? This is back in 1953 when this is is from, uh, or 58, excuse me. It's used as a cover to attack law enforcement agencies and to build up mass hate against them. Not a new idea, but we're seeing it come to fruition today. It took them half a century, probably more like a century. And I've talked about that in the past, if you've listened to my show. But we really drilled down on that. And, and this is this topic of Manning Johnson, I brought it up a couple of years ago on the show. And I figured, you know what, tonight that I'm filling in for the great one, I want to bring it up again. Because two years ago to now, we've seen so many radical things happen, right? The, the explosion of BLM, the explosion of these moms coming out and speaking out against critical race theory. But I'll, let me give you a couple more. These campaigns against war and fascism, and today there are campaigns against racism. That's the new thing that they want to hold on to. They're used as a cover for the transmission of intelligence information to enemies of the United States. Back then, it was Soviet Russia. They're used as a cover for espionage. They use this as a cover to sabotage industry and transportation. It's used as a cover to undermine national security. It's used as a cover to prepare and to influence and to win over millions of people in support of a foreign policy led by an alien government. Likely, what General Milley said earlier, Soviet Russia against our own country. And it's used as a cover to defend communists, the sworn enemies of our great heritage. And these are just some of the things that he talked about in his uh, 19... 58, I believe I'm reading that right, 1958 testimony in front of a congressional committee. This is the part that I think is just so remarkable. That this stuff was called out, you know, probably in 2019, I filled in for the great one, Mark Levin, and I talked about this comic, you know, like the type you see in the newspaper that had these stair steps on it. And it really, it, it made such an impression on me. I talk about it all the time. So if you've heard this, bear with me. And I always say, I'm going to retweet it again. But it really was remarkable. It's got these stair steps. And on it, it has different steps that the Bolsheviks had laid out to conduct the Bolshevik Revolution. And again, this was 1900. And it was things like organize and then take over organized labor or take over the unions. And, you know, take over the schools. Control the means of production. You know, so so many people think, oh, Marxism is just a social theory. You know, Marx was a social scientist. He was this and that. This is just an economic theory. Why are you giving him so much credit? Um, lamentably, we're just giving you not enough credit because you don't reading comprehensively is not something you're good at. You need to read and read a little bit more to learn that this is something that has crept into every aspect of, of culture. This is a, an, I'm going to say it's an attack on culture, but I think they view our way of life as an attack on the culture that they believe in. And that's why I say this is about the free marketplace of ideas. 
and the best ideas have to win. More on this straight ahead. We will continue. Keep it locked right there. I am Rich Valdez. In for the great. Mark Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Welcome back, America. Rich Valdez with an S at Rich Valdez on all the social media sitting in for the great one, Mark Levin. And I know you guys are listening from coast to coast. I want to go to Memphis, Memphis, Tennessee. Let's go to Malatoa. Malatoa, what's going on tonight? How are you? Hi, Rich. You are doing a great job for the great one. Thank you. Thank you. I just I just wanted to... Um, Listen to your advice and just a little bit of suggestion for me, and I'll make it as fast as I can. I have heard ever since. I am brown-skinned. I am from American Samoa, U.S. territory. I moved here to Memphis in September 2014, and I love it here. Hmm. And um, I'm listening. No, all my life, this word, white supremacist. I don't get mad, but... Learning the background of it, I've been a broadcaster for about 40 years back home. In my wow, that's quite a uh, career homeland. you've got there. I don't but, want to cut you off, but we do have to go well, because we're so tight uh, on time tonight. But I appreciate it, Malatoa. Thank you for your call. And uh, let's really quick check in with Debbie in New York City. Debbie, what's going on? Welcome. Hello. You're on the air. Hi. You have a wonderful show. And I'm so proud of the women who are standing up and talking and opening their mouths about what's going on in their schools. And it just makes me want to be more of an activist and get involved, and I'm going to get involved. Well, thank you for that, Debbie. The pandemic is is basically over, and I'm in New York City, and I'm going to go and get into the mayoral Good. You should. And you know what? Don't let any pandemic stop you because it didn't stop them when we had riots coast to coast. But thank you, Debbie. And, you know, Manning Johnson nailed it when he said the color of one's skin is no bar to a young man or woman dreaming of making a better world. Now, the great one, Mark Levin, had something very, very interesting to say in 2013. And I want you to listen to what he had to say. Check this out. Washington intend to 
this time next year. You think that's a good idea? We have over $90 trillion in unfunded liabilities. And you know what they propose to do about it? Nothing. That's exactly right. What do you think Obamacare is going to do? Do you want to keep your doctor? Do you want to keep your health care? Did you earn it? Is it your private property? Damn right! Now, I don't mean to confuse the media here today. But this election is about the Constitution. This election is about restoring this republic. It's not about the government being open for six weeks or six days or six months. Eighty-three percent of the government is open. This is about the private sector. This is about the rights of individuals. This is about the rights of Americans to take back their country, to take back their government. And I have two clips a little bit. I'm not going to probably be able to play both. But the second one was of Mark leading the crowd saying, this is our government. This is our country. And that's so important. And it's you, we the people, that have the responsibility to make it a better place. Now, with minutes to go and this urgent communique that we got from the great one, Mark Levin himself, just a little while ago, we have... Breaking news from the great one Mark Levin. The coup against Benjamin Netanyahu. This is an open letter from Mark Levin to Israelis and Americans alike. Barack Ravid is an Israeli journalist of the old Soviet school. In other words, he's a shameless propagandist for the cause. In his case, the cause is to destroy Netanyahu and install a left-wing government. And he's been working on it for many years. In his last Axios screed, he trashes President Trump and then tries to link the smeared president with Netanyahu. That is, both men are said to oppose a government of the people and the decision of the voters. We know plenty about the first point, and I've discussed it a lot over the last several months. This is Levin. I've neither the time nor the room to correct his lies. But what if this propaganda's second point regarding Netanyahu? Well, in this case, Netanyahu, his party, the Likud party, indisputably received nearly six times the official vote of would-be Prime Minister Neftali Bennett. What do I mean? Neftali Bennett is the man that is set to replace Bibi Netanyahu as Prime Minister. How did this come to pass? Among other things, he ran to the right of Netanyahu in the election. Even still... He and his party received less than 5% of the popular vote. How does a politician who barely registers among the voters become prime minister in a democracy? To my knowledge, it's never happened. Certainly not in Israel. Indeed, how could it happen? Israel prides itself on being a democracy despite its dysfunctional electoral system. Well, Bennett desperately wanted to be prime minister despite the fact that he literally does not have the popular support of the Israeli people and never has. Not even close. He was once a flunky in the Likud party and Netanyahu's chief of staff. But he turned on the prime minister and has been agitating to replace him ever since. But again, without the backing of the voters, he had no chance. So, what happens? Everyone had thought Israel's parliament, the Knesset, which consists of 120 members, that it was over. But Bennett decided to run his own party. His party garden, a total of six seats out of 120. 
So in sum, it crushed at the polls. The people overwhelmingly rejected it and him. But Bennett had another idea. No doubt hatched before the election, should he perform as disastrously as the polls said that he would. Since Israel, Israel's government is built on like-minded coalitions of multiple parties, he coalesced with the enemy in a very Machiavellian scheme. This is a historic betrayal of the state of Israel and the Jewish people, including by its ideologically radical and self-aggrandizing media. This is in part the real story of what happened in Israel. It's actually worse, but Mark didn't want to put all of it into this note. And you can check out the article in Axios and this on Mark's parlor. But I want to thank you. I want to thank you for listening to me for the last three hours, coast to coast. And I want to thank you for being the activist that you are and the activist you're going to become. Hasta la próxima. Until next time, America. I am Rich Valdez. Thank you. And Mark will be in Monday. Have a great weekend. God bless you and God bless America.